Welcome to Think Agility, the new podcast series from Agilisys. You might know us from our work around the UK in developing road safety strategies, research and data platforms. Over the last few years, we've also run a wide variety of workshops, conferences and dozens of webinars. Occasionally, people have said to us, have you thought about creating a podcast? So here we are. Think Agility aims to bring together intelligence, insight and innovation relating to the highway sector. Inevitably, there will be a focus on safety, but as it relates to connected themes such as sustainable and active mobility, traffic technology, air quality and public health. We're bringing together thought leadership and the latest research, and we're hoping to blend them into vibrant discussion, all with the hope of helping colleagues get across issues, think more deeply and to help us all move forward. I'm Dan Campbell, and I will be guiding us through the conversation today. In this, our fifth episode and the final episode of our inaugural series, we want to have a discussion about culture. Specifically, we want to explore how the right sort of organisational culture might be a key enabler if we want to deliver a safe system on our roads. Many of our listeners will have come across the concept of cultural maturity, for example, in respect of health and safety management. But today we're going to look at how that might transfer to our ambitions for safe system based around a particular project initiated and sponsored by National Highways last year. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by two extremely erudite and knowledgeable colleagues for this discussion. Matt Staten is Head of National Road User Safety Delivery at National Highways, and Tanya Fosdick is Research Director here at Agilisys. If there's anything that you hear in the podcast that sparks your interest and you want to dig a little deeper, we'll put some links into the show notes. and. Hopefully, if you have been with us from the start of the series, you've heard enough to be willing to rate us on your podcast platform, but do make sure that you keep up to date with our content by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. So let's jump into the conversation. Uh, Matt, as a sector, I think we could probably characterize highways as being quite straightforward. We build stuff, we do it to certain standards and within certain tolerances, we maintain stuff. Is culture really that important an issue for us to understand? And and why do you think it is? Thanks, Dan. Um, I think it's nice to think of it as straightforward. Um, but in reality, uh, I think probably you ask anyone delivering uh, that it, it's actually quite complex. Um, uh, when you particularly consider things like the public and political priorities and expectations that need to be considered, as well as the hundreds, if not thousands of organisations and stakeholders that, that we're dealing with um, in the industry and, and, and who's involved. I think, you know, what sounds quite straightforward when you put it like that at the start, it, it is a really complex activity to get on the ground. I think, and thinking about the standards that we have, we do have high standards in the UK relative to others um, globally, but that doesn't automatically make things safe. And I think what, what we're seeing here is is a shift from, you know, we, we need to shift from a person-based uh, approach to road safety to a system-based approach. And we've seen across multiple safety industries that safety culture of the organisations involved is so important and fundamental uh, within that kind of change. Uh, and so, you know, yes, we'd like it to be straightforward, but, but culture is really important in, in how we take things forward. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Tanya, I wonder if I can turn to you. I mean, I think building on what Matt's just said about the development of that understanding, we've been talking about safe system for 
30 odd years now in various international contexts. Why are we only just starting to grapple with this culture piece? Why is it only now that it's come to the fore? Um, I think one thing that's quite interesting is actually, in some respects, a cultural change is implicit in safe system adoption. So as far as I know, when the concept originated in Sweden and the Netherlands, it was informed by changes in occupational health, this kind of new approach to eliminating risk rather than just encouraging people to be safe. Um, and they wanted to apply it to road safety. And so in occupational health, it comes with cultural change, you know, roles and responsibilities defined. It, it then becomes what people do. And I suppose perhaps in those originating countries, it didn't require kind of a seismic shift in, in culture amongst all of the actors. It, it kind of made sense. But for us, it really is a paradigm shift. It's, it, it needs to be accompanied by that cultural change. Um, we can say, we can look at what the actions are we can we can see that this is what we need to do, but how we do them is something quite new and novel to us in the UK. And actually, we're not alone. So Australia have been really quite dedicated to safe system approach and vision zero. But actually, there's quite a lot of evidence that it isn't embedded amongst all of the actors and therefore culture is, is really important. And then there needs to change culture as well. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Matt, I wonder whether actually, you know, we're talking here about the safe system and there may be some listeners to this podcast who aren't quite across what that really means yet. Can you give us a quick explain about what we're talking about in respect of the safe system? Because I think that might help us to sort of land where this question of culture becomes so important. So the safe system approach, as, as Tanya's already mentioned, uh, is, is, uh, was founded in, in the 90s, really, in, in Sweden and the Netherlands. Uh, and it's based around four fundamental principles. The first is that people make mistakes and those can lead to, to road collisions. The second is that the human body has a known limited physical ability to tolerate collision forces before harm occurs. The third is a shared responsibility exists between those who design, manage, build and use the roads and vehicles to prevent collisions uh, resulting in serious injury or death. And the fourth is that all parts of the system must be strengthened in combination to multiply their effects and to, to ensure that road users are still protected if one part of the system fails. So this is this, is this, this system built around human fragility uh, and, and the fact that we make mistakes and that we have that known limited tolerance to injury, uh, which means we get hurt seriously or, or or even killed in in the type of collisions we see on the road and that then builds around those those principles uh other components so so we kind of look at the the vehicle the roads the user post-crash response and the speed involved and speed being a key principle um within those components but also about the way that we manage the system um, so that will include the way we use data and information and also the management decisions that we make um so that that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the, the system itself um, uh, that, that we're talking about. So just tell me a little bit about, um, we're talking about culture here, and it seems like you could see that through two different lenses, the sort of culture of road use, the way in which people use the roads, versus the sort of institutional cultures that we're talking about. Are there two issues of culture that we need to address here? Um, and and what's been explored within this project? I think that's a really good question. <laughs> I think I, I would say from my, my personal um, uh, viewpoint, yes, we are talking about two different elements of culture uh, here, but one will influence the other. 
um, you know, the, the culture we have as a society will influence the culture we have as organisations within that society. But I think for, from this perspective, in terms of embedding a, a change of approach, the, the first element of that is understanding those implementing it um, and the culture involved in those organisations, but recognising that such an, uh, an important aspect of its implementation will be how, um, how that then lands with the the wider culture within society and how that is used in in its implementation. Um, you know, we've got to recognise the culture that exists as it stands at the moment in order to understand what needs to change to achieve um, the the safe system or vision zero approaches that, that a number of authorities are adopting. Tanya, I wonder whether I'll get you to sort of double click on that a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, why do you think? at this time now it's really important for organizations to grapple with that cultural bit what what's it going to do for us that that has been missing so far in terms of our ability to apprehend and be ready to deliver a safe system on our roads so i think firstly there is a real movement in the uk to start adopting a safe system approach at all levels so you know national sub-national like um, with national highways and then at the regional and local local level and actually it's really hard to argue against its adoption you know with vision zero how who's going to say it's acceptable to have deaths and serious injuries from road travel so um so i think you know there, there is this this movement we are starting to, to to really understand that this is something we need to do but as i said earlier it's the matter of how we do it we can't have champions at the practitioner level who don't have support of their leaders um, who are going to give them the resources, the funding to be able to do it because they don't understand it or they don't believe it. We also conversely can't have politicians declaring that it's the way forward, but those who are delivering don't have the skills um, or ability to do it. And it also can't be down to one individual in an organisation to lead the way. They move on and the whole approach could potentially collapse. So what we need to do is embed it throughout organisations and understand that they all have a role to play. So it's kind of almost mobilising this, um, this new momentum towards it and making sure that we embed it throughout. So tell me some more about this project in particular. What were you trying to explore? What were you hoping to find out or, or indeed achieve by starting to explore safe system culture? The kind of the crux of it really was is can we measure safe system readiness? So we've got all of these organisations who are seeking to adopt it, but how ready are they to do so? How embedded is, is safe system thinking within an organisation's culture? Because obviously if we can measure it, we can then help them understand where they need to focus those efforts. So is it about a leadership weakness or is it a skills gap? Is it about resourcing, knowledge base, et cetera? So it's, yeah, if we understand where across that whole system that Matt explained at the beginning, there are strengths and weaknesses, we can then collectively move forward. And I think from a national highways perspective as well, the you know, as you alluded to at the beginning, Dan, there, there's a there's an understanding of, of safety culture in relation to health and safety, uh, and and for us wanting to understand how that then translated into a, the culture that existed around road safety um, is really important in the way those conversations happen internally. Uh, we can't talk about one and not the other in that context, and and I think that's really important. So. What, uh, which organisations were you looking to assess then? So you, obviously Matt's talked about the sort of the perspective internally within national highways, but uh, you weren't just looking at national highways in terms of exploring this piece. So tell us a little bit about the organisations that you were looking to engage with. 
So the ones that we worked with in this particular project tended to be local highways organisations and road safety partnerships, which obviously include the police and fire and rescue, amongst other actors. But actually, the approach is applicable to yeah, national government departments, um, regional authorities, basically those who have a responsibility within the safe system for delivering road safety activities. And Matt, from a national highways perspective, why is that important? Is it because actually cultural alignment between these organisations really matters? If you've got differences of ambition and differences of culture, that creates disconnects, which ultimately will leave you with a more fragile system yeah i think we, we've got to recognize that as a, as a systems approach we, we can't do any of this on our own in terms of any of the organizations involved the whole point is that that as a system-based approach it is a collective um and i think you know we recognize that yes we have specific responsibility for the strategic road network but the world doesn't stop when you exit the slip road um and there, there's a huge element of of our work there supporting um, others in in the regions and the partnerships that exist there on the local road network we, we can't treat either network in isolation um, and and I think that that's an important part of this. Fantastic so Tanya just going back then to this particular project and what you were uh, trying to understand tell, tell us some of the stages that you then went through in order to begin to develop a picture of what cultural maturity looks like in its current state? Sure. So it was really about bringing together evidence from lots of different domains. So we started off with almost trying to define what the safe system is. So we looked at um, 16 different international manuals and guidance documents to see which actions were regularly cited. So if we were going to do safe system, what would it look like? What would we, we be implementing? We then had a, a workshop with um, some National Highways Road Safety Specialists to kind of talk through the applicability of um, the most frequently um, cited 48 actions amongst all of those different manuals. Um, whilst we were also doing that, we were we also synthesised four different safe system models. So whilst they have common components, there is um, there are some slight differences in in different territories across the world. So what we wanted to do was look at kind of the how. And many of these safe system models have got um, kind of policy areas in the outside ring of them of the models, the kind of system operators. So we wanted to make sure that we could align actions to those. So with that, we have kind of a framework of what, in an ideal world, a culturally mature safe system organisation would be doing. But obviously, we then needed to think about well, what is cultural maturity. Um, we needed to identify a way of measuring it. So we did another kind of evidence review and we lighted upon Hudson and Parker's Hearts and Minds model, which um, is a model that has five stages of maturity in relation to organisational culture. And it was a model that was already um, being used by national highways in terms of health and safety. And it also aligns really well with safe system thinking. And then the next bit, we, we took actually a behavior change model. So Hudson and Parker used TTM, which is familiar to some within the road safety world, but we didn't think it particularly applied to the road safety sector for this, for this kind of uh, get cultural maturity piece. So we instead used Darnton and Horn's ISM model, which looks at the individual and the social and the material, the way that these different levels influence behavior. 
um, and kind of coming back to that idea of leadership or skills or knowledge or resources, all of these things are, are within ISM. So it, re it really did reflect the way an organisation can support how its members behave. So at that point, we'd created what we've called the Safe System Cultural Maturity Model, which is great, but we need to be able to, to use it. So we then devised a question set which brings together all of these different components so we can ask individuals across an organisation about how they think safe system actions and principles are being implemented. And then from there, we can measure um, readiness. So I guess the crux of the matter is, how are we doing? What did you find about our current state of safe system cultural maturity? Yeah, in some interesting results. So we tested the question set with 10 road safety partnerships and also um, within national highways. Um, so there's 22 questions we created. Each one of them has got a statement, which has got a numerical score. Um, on a scale from um, Hudson Parker described as pathological, which can um, be a bit daunting to some people, but that, that would be where there is no safe system culture evident right the way through to generative, which is kind of gold star um, safe system application. They're, they're, yeah, if it was a generative organization, it would be delivering everything we would want and stating you know, the, the actions and the beliefs that we would want to see. Um, and each of our questions were linked to a safe system component and those operators. So we were able to see strengths. I think what we found was mostly not a surprise, um, which, hopefully means that the questions do kind of reflect reality and, and you know, we're onto, onto the right um, yeah, direction there. But we found higher scores in relation to safe speed and safe road use and road safety management and lower scores for post-collision response and safe vehicles. Again, you know, this is, these are, tend to be road safety partnerships. A lot of these have got a history with safety camera um, deployment, so the safe speed bit isn't really a surprise. Um, and similarly, many of them run educational campaigns. So again, thinking about safe road use, that that's yeah, it's not surprising that that was strong. Um, thinking about actions in particular, so actions around enforcement and regulation, research and ed education all had much higher scores than, um, for example, design and engineering and investment, which I suppose was potentially a little bit more of a surprise given some of these partnerships will be doing road design um, and delivery around the road road yeah the safe road piece itself um matt if i wonder whether just come and ask you you've been there you've run a uh, partnership uh in cambridgeshire and peterborough for a, a number of years i mean does that resonate for you did that those findings sort of stack up with your experience and what you've seen from some of your research in terms of gaps across the road safety piece more widely yeah i think certainly it did uh, certainly uh, as tanya said i don't think m much of what what was found was particularly a surprise having been close to to the implementation side in in my own previous role um, but also talking to a lot of other organizations in that role that that were engaged in in the pro process to some extent or another I think, like, like Tanya's already mentioned, that the design and engineering one was was a fascinating um, outcome. And I think, for me, certainly, the experience in my research is is an element of we've got high standards, so they're fine. We just need to implement them. But but within Safe System, it's so much more than that. We need we need to question some of that and understand how do, how does the current standards elements uh, relate to 
the other safe system components are they working in harmony with each other to 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 drive performance in in terms of safety and i think that's that's kind of that cultural element that this is really picking up is this is where we need to drive further because i think certainly when we talk globally you know, globally in the UK about about how safety is perceived, a lot of media and, and political attention is that safety can be seen as a barrier to growth and progress. And and so that's a key cultural aspect that that we have to unpick. You know, that's not a simple it we need to do X. It's it's a really complex understanding of of where we, we've got to in you know, a century of motorization in the UK uh, and how that relates to everything that we do. So so this is where when you talk right at the beginning about the difference between the societal culture and the organizational culture, how the two come together. We can't just click our fingers and 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 change that culture overnight, but we need to understand where that culture is, why it exists, in order to understand how we can implement the safe system appropriately. And so thinking about that sort of, I, I guess, the, the challenge of that quite nuanced argument that you're talking about, the, the complexity that we're trying to sort of focus on here, is there a danger with this that what we end up with is like a very simple star rating for partnerships or organizations? You know, you've got three star maturity, you're aiming for four. How do we make sure that it actually trickles down into really developing a much more meaningful, nuanced, mature culture that that helps us to deliver change? I think from my perspective, if you're talking about a proactive or a generative approach to, to safety culture, you have to be talking about the nuances. So progressing in terms of cultural maturity actually engenders that. Um, you, you can't just take a superficial look at this and expect to be in the higher reaches of, of cultural maturity on it. So I think that 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 is a strength of looking at the cultural maturity in this way is is that you have to you're encouraging the organisation to go digging in order to achieve the higher the higher levels of, of cultural maturity. So I think that's a real positive um, and 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 helps in in terms. This isn't just a star rating for culture um, in organisations. This is this is the the nuts and bolts of how you do things um and i think yes you, you you've got a question set that starts to assess that uh, and and i think that's an important part of the process but the 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 key thing is this can't just be about a couple of individuals in an organization this is about the organization and and for big organizations that's a lot of people and that's a lot of change that that might need to happen and a lot of understanding and learning that might need to take place which again why i say this isn't a click your fingers and it will change overnight kind of kind of thing um but it's i'll keep coming back to it's really important to understand where you are at in order to then make any changes that you want to make going forwards rather than thinking you're at, in a different place and trying to implement change well i was going to come to tanya to say so, so come on then, if an organization is looking to move up that cultural maturity ladder, is willing to engage with some of the complexity and nuance that Matt has talked about, how do you think this model and this way of thinking might help them to make progress? 
I think what's interesting is those that we've already started to talk to about this, I can almost see their change because they're asking themselves, what is our safe system culture? Oh, do we even have a safe system culture? Um, and especially in some of those larger organisations, as Matt says, it's realising that it is a huge task to A, measure it, but also, yeah, to then think about, well, how, who do we need to embed it with? Oh, we do need to embed it with everybody. Well, how might we go about that? So I think that's the acknowledgement that we can't just pick safe system off a shelf and implement it, I think is a massive start actually. Um, and then it's kind of pinpointing, well, who do we need to explain this concept, uh, concept to? Who do we need to train? What new resources might we, we need to have? What support do we need to give? So I think there are lots of different ways within particular departments or um, leadership levels or, or whatever. There are lots of different um, paths to improve culture. But I think by start even asking the question at the beginning is a massive leap. Yeah, and I think I'd add to that. I, I think the key thing here is that it, getting yourself an honest assessment of where you're at. You know, it doesn't matter if this comes out as as, as pathological or reactive in terms of an assessment of, of an organisation. It's the fact that you recognise that and understand where next, um, because we've all got to start somewhere. And I think that that's really key to this. This this isn't, uh, oh, you've, you've, you've got near the bottom of the scale, you're bad. No, this is actually, you've given an honest assessment of where you are at and where your next steps are in terms of taking that journey and i think that that is so important um to 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 kind of understand uh, in the way we take it forward um and that's kind of the approach that we're we're taking with this now at national highways in terms of looking at where we want to be in 20 30 years time um and and our road to road to zero harm that that, that is the the project to to kind of map that out um, in going forward and and using this as an understanding of well this is where we need to change in order to deliver some of those um, interventions that that we're we're kind of identifying through that road to zero harm project um, so so it's really important to to understand that for us as well who needs to understand that Matt because you know is it specialists like you but in an organization like national highways which has got Five six thousand staff, huge amounts of supply chain, tier one contractors. They've got supply chains running through them. How far are we looking for this culture to permeate? And and indeed, how far up does it need uh, to start to begin to cascade? I think for, you, you look at the health and safety example, um, and it it needs to be part of everything. Um, and that you know, for us, that's where. The road to zero harm has come from it's come from the the, the, the zero harm approach to road worker safety and, and our health and safety at work and actually Chris we should be applying this to everybody on 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 the network um, and and so I think it does have to have a reach into all parts of the organization certainly at, at that superficial level of an understanding of why actions are being are being taken but then when you start talking about the the decision makers and and the key you know, us as specialists in the road safety division being able to explain that in much more depth and and having that real strong understanding of the safe system approach and what it means for the organization so i think you, you're seeing different levels of 
um, of understanding that's required, but all of that comes together to create the culture um, within the organisation. Um, and so, like you say, Dan, five, six thousand mem uh, members of staff, that is a huge task that, that w we recognise the gravity of that for, for us as an organisation. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to do it. Uh, and we're not going to move this forward because we understand the, you know, the as we discussed right at the top of this, the ethical principles behind the safe system approach are so sound in terms of what we need to achieve that we need to do this to get it right uh, and, and to understand how we take that forward. Uh, Tanya, I wonder if I could just sort of throw a last one to you, which is, Obviously, in the conversation that we've had, it seems that this culture piece is really central and that only now we seem to be grappling with what that means and what that looks like in terms of our ambitions for safe systems. Surely, National Highways, you guys aren't the only ones who are engaging with it. Is, is there anyone else who's really starting to sort of lift the lid on this question of culture? Are there any others who are starting to engage with it and see its importance? Um so I'm not sure it's necessarily to do with culture, but there are other safe system assessment tools which are out there. So last year, the uh, ITF produced a safe system framework, which can be used by a range of actors um, to assess maturity levels of delivering safe system um, um, actions. So this tool can be used by governments or right down actually to individual projects. Um, what they have done is, uh, is paid particular attention to how LMICs can start thinking about road safety at all. Um, and I think that's probably where our model differ, differs slightly is actually our pathological stage isn't saying that road safety isn't important, it's saying that safe system isn't important. And I think that's a subtle difference. Um, so yeah, the ITF framework is is there um, and, and is a really useful tool for, for seeing what actions you ought to be doing. Um, similarly, the Asian Development Bank have uh, produced a, a maturity scale tool which allows independent assessors to go in and, and look at a government and say, hey, how ready are you to, to be delivering safe system? So I think ours is different because it is that internal assessment of adoption of safe system and everything Matt's just said about kind of embedding it across as many as 6,000 um, individuals within an organisation. Um, but these other frameworks are really complementary to ours because you've kind of got almost a 360 view then. You've got internal, you've got external and you've got actions. Um, and actually we're working with both um, ITF and ADB on a kind of a joint paper to work out when should these different models be used. And so finally to both of you, sort of if we were to look forward, I don't know, five years, you know, 10 years time, what are your ambitions for a more integrated, more mature, more developed culture around safe system? Matt, why don't you go first? Yeah, I think for, for me, this, this is really gaining a good understanding as an organization of what it means to operate a safe system highway network. Uh, not, not necessarily being all the way there, but understanding what it means to be that operator, you know, and, and that lays the groundwork for new technology that's, that, that we, we're seeing projected into, into that time frame and beyond um, in terms of connected and autonomous vehicles, vehicle to, to infrastructure communication and those kind of aspects, because understanding that operation role within the safe system framework is really key. And that then 
is reflected in the culture of the organization and how everyone deals with that role as a highway authority. So I think for me, that change over the next five years is understanding as a highway authority, what it means to operate a safe system infrastructure. So um, I think linked to that, I suppose, instead of just looking at the the one organisation, it's that systemic approach. So it's how does National Highways and others all gain consistency um, and understand their roles. And I su- it's bringing in those organisations that traditionally perhaps we haven't seen as road safety organisations, vehicle manufacturers, you just touched on there with, with technology, but those also providing post-collision response. What we don't want is lots of different organisations um, developing different versions of safe system. There is the safe system. We want it for all of us um, together. And I think by in five years time, if we've changed the narrative and we have really embedded this through a cultural change, then that changes society too, because that ethical element you've come on to you know, a couple of times, Matt, um, the acceptability of road death, that changes in the media if we're changing that narrative. Um, it, we want, don't want it to be acceptable anymore for people to, to get into their vehicle and not come home. So, yeah, that it's, it then, yeah, one, one set of cultural change I'm, I'm hoping will lead to another. Fantastic. Well, look, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. If you want to engage some more with the material that we've been talking about today, as I said right at the top of the show, we will be putting some links in the show notes so that you can connect with the sort of research that we've been talking about today. But as well as that bringing us to the end of this episode, it also concludes our first series of the podcast. So thank you today for uh, Matt and Tanya for their time with us and exploring this whole issue around cultural maturity. Hopefully you found today's conversation interesting and stimulating, but there is more content available uh, in this series. So, and indeed we've got a second series already in the pipeline. So please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'd really appreciate it if you could also give us a review. But until we're back online, it remains for me to say, stay safe out there and we look forward to seeing you soon.